All right, everyone, I want to introduce you to Bumper, a new DeFi protocol that is here to redefine how you protect your crypto assets. Obviously, market volatility can be a big concern for us crypto holders. Go check out Bumper. It's bumper.fi. Take a step towards smarter crypto asset risk management. Welcome back to the Roundup, folks. A um, couple of days out from Permissionless. Super excited. How are you feeling, Santi? I'm feeling excited. I'm, I'm you know... I'm going to Austin. I love Austin. Uh, it's been a while since uh, since I've been to a crypto conference, actually. And so I'm really excited to meet up with a bunch of folks out there, you know, teams I'm invested in. First and foremost, you, uh, Mike, the rest of the team. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great time. Uh, we'll see. You know, I'm also really curious. I think, uh, as I said before, you know, I think the mix of people that are going to be a permissionless is, is going to be interesting. Just the gauge sentiment, right? Uh, you had a tweet yesterday, I think, which was like, the, the, the timeline, the sentiment on the timeline, and I'm talking about crypto Twitter, seems to be very negative. You know, everyone's fighting, everyone's bitter, and hallmarks of bear markets. But you talk to builders, just one-on-one, -on -one, very different. I just had a great call with someone who closed down a prior project and is building again. And I get so excited when I see that because he's not leaving. He's like, yo, you yeah. just got it wrong. It was bad timing, whatever. I'm going to build again. So the one-on-one -on -one conversations are really positive now, which don't get appreciated on the timeline. Um, but there's also going to be an interesting mix of people, right? If you, if you look at ECC, that's like pure ETH camp. I feel like there's always techno-optimism in that type of conference. But um, at Permissionless, you have a whole host of folks, right? You have JP Morgan there. You have you know industry, crypto, non-crypto people. And I think it just gives you a, an a better flavor, at least that's what I'm going to be looking out for, of what people are interested in. What are the narratives? Um, you know, what is the skepticism in the room? What are the things, you know, learnings? And so uh, that's uh, something that I'm really curious. Uh, I'm, I'm, so yeah, long-winded answer of how I'm feeling, but I'm feeling excited because I'm going to be out in, uh, in Austin. How about, how about you? I know you're critically uh, redlining and not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Probably. yeah, not not looking my best these days. Uh, need definitely needs more sleep. No, it's always just a crazy time. Like ho hosting conferences is uh it's one of the best things we do and one of the worst things we do because there is so much work that go like the day that permissionless ended last year, we started planning permissionless this year. And I think that yeah, people okay. don't see the amount of work that goes in. I mean, for this year's permissionless, like this is many it costs us many 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 millions of dollars to host and you have to start you have, you have to think about everything right you have to think about like you have to print the badges you have to print like you have to print so much stuff you have to do so much stuff you have to time it all mm -hmm. you know a sponsor wants like a new thing at their booth but that already went into production yeah. two weeks ago but they pay like there's so many little things across the board and mm -hmm. you know we're ho there's like 40 or 50 different side events already planned um we we, we rented out like a dozen or two dozen just wow. blockworks alone like bars in austin so just mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that goes into it you know we have 65 people at the company now and there's a lot of people <laughs> are hands-on with this event so i'm excited is this like a taylor swift um economic stimulus for the city kind of situation i mean how many people go to permissions <laughs> it is actually it is i mean austin less so because there's so much that happens in austin but when we hosted actually fun story when we hosted uh permissionless the first permissionless last year in palm beach the mayor of, of palm beach came to us he actually came to the conference the third day and he heard that we were moving oh. to austin the next year and he said we're building a new hotel we will like we want to incorporate you guys into this hotel somehow like I think it was like, we'll give you upside in the hotel or something like that if you just stay oh, wow. and host this thing in Palm Beach again. And I mean, we couldn't do it because we, we grew out, we outgrew the city. Um, we outgrew the, the size of the yep. city. It was too small of a city for us, but it was crazy. Like we had mm -hmm. local news at the, you know, at the event. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was nuts. So. How, uh, how many people are going this year? Um, we'll have somewhere Quite between like, like Oh, like I don't know, third, like a couple thousand, like probably thirty-five. Four, I, I bet, I bet, like who comes on site to permissionless, like walks through the booth hall, probably thirty-five hundred of them. How many people come down to Austin? Probably like six thousand or seven thousand. Six to five, six thousand. Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, excellent. Yeah. Okay. 
So we're excited, man. We're excited. So this week. Yeah, um, I am too. Oh, by the way, if people yeah, are, are still on the fence. Week? Yeah, this week, if people are still on the fence for permissionless, there's a code YANO50 that marketing gave me. It works for the next 48 hours. So if you're listening to this, you're on the fence, uh, you can sign up for YANO50. I think it, I'm assuming it gets you 50% off. So YANO50. Um, this week, here's what I'm thinking. So Maker, so Rune had this interesting post about kind of moving Maker. Mm-hmm. Not to Solana, but on kind of this fork of Solana. So I think we should talk about that. Um, yep. MetaMask introduced the cell features, like not that interesting, but kind of just funny. Um, and, and, and 9% fees. 9% fees. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. the future, baby. Um, <laughs> Visa. Uh, uh, this was cool. Like Visa stablecoin settlement expanding to Solana. Um, we can mm-hmm. talk about that. And then there's also like Lido. Lido's actually, so Lido's obviously been dominating on Ethereum, but kind of struggling on Solana. We could go there. And then there's this fund, yep. Nima Capital, um, mm-hmm. uh, that, really. you know, kind of their firm website went offline. The account on Twitter got locked and they kind of, it looked like they kind of reneged on this uh, Synapse, uh, Synapse like agreement that they had. So we could talk about that. But you want to start with Maker stuff? Yeah, let's do it. I know you're super close. So lead the way, sir. I'm actually less so close to Maker now. Did I, did I tell you my Maker story? Aren't you? Well, I knew you were a delegate, or you were supposed to be a delegate. So I was, I was a delegate. I am a delegate. I was a delegate. I am a delegate, and I was, a, I, I had been get, I had been getting every week. I'd like get more and more delegated tokens. Basically, I was becoming one of the bigger delegates in Maker. And at one point, I voted against the. There was this proposal like maybe four or five months ago where I, I vote where they wanted to pay a bunch of people a ridiculous amount. And I actually have a pretty good insight into like how much to pay employees, I'd say, like how much to pay people because, you know, we employ 65 people and we've hired and a bunch of people over, or, you know, we've probably employed, I don't know, roughly like 100 people over the last couple of years. Probably pretty good insight into, you know, fair compensation, I'd say. And Maker was like, just exorbitantly overpaying these people and everyone had voted yes on this. And I took a kind of hard stance and and voted no. And it was kind of like, Hey, you're supposed to vote yes on this. You're not allowed to vote no. And the next week I woke up, pulled up my maker portal. All of my delegated tokens were gone. So I voted the wrong way. Uh, Let's dive a little bit more into that. Actually. What was the, what was the compensation relative to, like a senior engineer makes at a Web2 company? I think they were paying a BD. I got, I'm going to botch these exact numbers and who it was because it was maybe, I don't know, four or five or six months ago or something. But I think they were uh-huh. paying a BD person, I don't know, like three three or 400K base and then commission on top of that. Uh, they were paying engineers like half a million. And that's in, 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 in stable coins, like die or, or maker or, or a mix of stable coins and tokens. That, that's in stables. That's a lot. That's, that's, a that's lot. like a, yeah. For, for a BD role. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, BD per like salespeople are oftentimes the highest paid people at companies, but they're, but, but the but commission, commission is like 80, 90%. It's on commission. Yeah. 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 You eat what you kill. Not, you know, when you get paid 400K, like the incentive to really go out and hunt is uh, not much. Yeah. Candidly. So I don't know. I, yeah. I was very into Maker. I was following Maker super closely. It was like really into everything that was going on. Um, and then this happened and I just got kind of discouraged not only by Maker, but like, I don't know, like it, it, it made me a little more bearish on just governance because at the end of the day, like you, t- I don't know, it's supposed to be this fair and open system and you, 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 you vote against how the power people want you to vote and i don't know yeah, that, you, get off, you get kicked out yeah so yeah you know I've, I've i've experienced that actually um well i was a big part of the involved in the wi-fi proposal to actually mint 3333 wi-fi which is there was a hard cap on wi-fi of 10,000. this whole bitcoin analogy meme and whatnot but you know all of that was farmed away very quickly and, and that was a big fault of the protocol so I'm a big believer in incentivizing people and giving employees that contribute upside. But I do think that there is a worth in a revising a, in a lot of these DAOs. There is not a lot of really good transparency a, on treasury funds. Uh, the people that are voting, this is the turnout's really low. People are not paying attention to stuff. To the degree where there's been protocols that have actually rugged because they make a proposal, no one is looking, no one's noticing. 
And then they just kind of like, you know, distribute funds in a way that I think if you were to ask people if they were aware of that, they'd say most definitely not. And if you were to ask them, they would have voted to approve that. They would say, yeah, most definitely not. And so it's sort of like a, this this weird, and I agree with you, it is crypto in many ways sometimes can be advocating for transparency, advocating for inclusion, you know, and and yes, it is open source, but in, in other ways, it's a contradiction because it can be very clicky and not transparent in, in many ways. And then and sometimes in the things that matter most, right, in getting the incentives right. Um, and I think DAOs have been largely a failure, uh, primarily because people don't recognize the that humans don't like in any democracy, like people just don't really show up and vote. Like yeah. people don't really pay much attention. Yes, they have skin in the game and you would think theoretically that they would be paying more attention. And on the margin they are. But um sometimes the token distribution is very skewed, right? And and makers struggle with this quite a bit actually. Like there was very strong contributors that I remember in the maker camp, in the maker uh forum and Discord that didn't have many much tokens weren't compensated but were f- putting out very interesting proposals uh and then you had a lot of the a16z's that held a, a, a large share of the tokens that were not voting were not delegating and so it was like very hard to pass proposals and that was always i, I struggle with maker and i'm singling out maker i think this is also something that happens in other protocols but uh yeah since we're talking i mean about even it, in even in uh <laughs> i guess we shouldn't say the name but the, there's another DAO that you and i are both in i don't know if you've been checking telegram and like these messages but like yeah the DAO is definitely struggling right now you know yes. there's like yeah so i think a lot of folks are struggling definitely um so here's what happened with maker so maker yeah. um so rune launched this basically five phase end game back in back in may so phase one was kind of the beta launch right first phase of end game would be establishing this new unified brand with its own stable coin and governance token separate from die and maker uh mkr phase two was the sub dow launch so following the beta launch they were going to create six maker sub dows each one with its own governance token and the sub dows are designed to function independently from maker but are tied to the protocol through its mission as, as rune would say um phase three which is where it kind of gets a little wonky was uh the, the the governance ai tools if you remember that so they wanted to or they want to still want to design tools using ai for governance and that's the third phase of maker dows end game phase four governance participation incentive launch so the launch of what was it called Sag- sagittarius lock stake engine sle i think um where you know you had this engine that was designed to ensure that the token holders of the new governance token would be actively incentivized to participate in governance and then phase five is this is the important thing because this will tie into the news is uh, launching a rebranded new chain who's you know like capitalize n capitalize chain new chain that would be the final stage of the end game um and uh the the new chain is designed kind of to be the the hub of all the tools operating maker dow and now that, that's like this super important probably the most important phase of phase five so this past week a couple of days ago rune made this post uh titled explore a fork of the solana code base for new chain where he says the fifth and final phase of Endgame is the complete reimplementation of the entire Maker protocol built natively on a new standalone blockchain, codename NewChain. Um, the fifth phase is a major long-term project. It'll take at least three years, if not longer, before it's realized, um, et cetera, et cetera. Some more things. And then he goes on. The important thing is Solana, obviously. It says Solana is the most promising code base. After, being, after having researched all the different options available to act as the foundation for NewChain, I believe that the Solana stack is the most promising code base to explore further. He lists out three reasons for that. I can basically summarize them as first is that there's this highly optimized, Solana is highly optimized for the purpose of operating a singular, highly efficient blockchain. Second is that uh, Solana ecosystem has proven to be really resilient post FTX. And the third is that there already exists examples of the Solana code base being forked and adapted to access an app chain. So um, I, have a, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but would love to hear your ideas around good idea, bad idea, don't really know yet. Like, what, what are your thoughts around this? Particularly on Maker, Gonas, Galana, or explain this for me. 
and the I think any, anything related not. anything related to this news and maybe if there's any context well, and backstory to maker that like would be helpful to tee up here too well i the thing that i've been paying most amount of attention is the reaction of, of room just exploring going to another chain and i think look uh, a lot of you got a lot of criticism and i i don't think it's um I'm more of the mind that you should be exploring. I think any DeFi founder that is deployed in Ethereum should be exploring constantly. Like you're never in a binary state. You should constantly be exploring other chains, right? There's like, there's no benefit in being super loyal to just one particular chain. You might have preferences. I get it. I understand that. Ultimately, I think you care most about providing the most amount of benefit and having an edge versus other protocols. Like Antonio from DYDX, right? He got an inordinate amount of criticism when he did that. I think he was yeah. one of the first. And it was a big splash, you know? Uh, and, and he's one of those that I actually respect and have respected more because he's, he is vocal, extremely vocal on a number of things. Yeah. And I think that's a hallmark of good founders, candidly. Um, going back to the, just the general stuff, I've been of the mind that, and I've been vocal about it, which is there's not enough, there's not enough um, critique within the Ethereum community. You know, we there's certainly a lot of critique outside of things in other experiments that are happening outside, and that's that's the sort of maximum that that can't that in my mind just led me away from Bitcoin. This unwillingness to entertain other points of view and other design, you know, choices and whatnot. I think Ethereum is is not a on that. End. I think Ethereum generally is a, what has made Ethereum great is this idea of experimentation um, and willingness to adapt. Because you don't have it. It's so early. You don't, to, to assume that we've got it nailed, you know, perfectly designed is, is unrealistic, right? Um, but, uh, but I did see some, some pretty heavy criticism towards Rune from, from a number of DeFi founders and other folks saying, hey, look, this is a betrayal. You know, you, you owe a lot to Ethereum. And, and I get it. But still, um, you know, I, I think um, perhaps the, the, the broader question is, are we going to see more protocols? do that you know, compound people forget but compound pro- put out a white paper four was it two years ago saying that they're going to explore yeah. polka dot parachains kind of didn't I, I don't know if it's i don't think it's gone anywhere or haven't heard much they didn't like um, they didn't like polka dot but I, I do wonder if the world i do wonder yeah, if it would be different if they you know explored cosmos for example instead of polka yeah, dot right, right. What is interesting, though, is uh, I have been noticing a sentiment shift in Solana, uh, particularly more interest, uh, much more optimism. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the pendulum, as Howard Marks likes to say, the pendulum swings to extremes right, of sentiment. But the reality, the, the reality, the economic reality is that things never gravitate to such extremes. And I think Solana is one of prime example where people have totally given, out, given, given it up, right? We're highly, highly critical. I think Solana is dead. Look at all the projects that are leaving. Uh, some projects are coming back. Some projects are actually looking at the merits and exploring. Hey, look, this is actually pretty interesting. There's there's some good stuff happening here. So it's good to see that. You know, uh, yeah. I, I take it as a as a very positive uh, towards the end game and all the like. We had a, people should get refer to the episode of Rune coming on, and he explained this in like an hour and a half. I still don't understand it. <laughs> you know, it's highly confusing. Maker is one yeah. of those protocols that is it is hard to um to fully understand and. I'm not close enough to it to opine on these things other than the fact that I take it as a positive that he's exploring Solana and maybe he explored Cosmos and something else. Aptos, well, all of them, you know, uh, is my point of view. Yeah. Um, all right. I have two questions for you. Why do you think they, like, why do you think they're not exploring? Why aren't they just building smart contracts on Solana? Do you think? Like, why do you, why do they need their own chain? That's a good question. I do not know. Hmm. Maybe, they want to own, like, my immediate reaction is we, we've talked about like the, this sort of like vertical integration. If you can build your own L1, why not? You have more design trade, like choice. You own, like, you know, if you can do that, then, then it's worth exploring perhaps. Now, the question is always, how do you bootstrap a validator set? How do you, you know, it's, it's a bit of a go-to-market, right? Like building your own, we also talk about like building your own L2, right? There's an explosion of L2s. Why would you do that? Well, yeah, you, you get some benefit of controlling the supply and the sequencer maybe, and there's some like economic upside, certainly a lot of economic upside we do it, right? 
but it's a, it's a challenge, right? To, to bootstrap it, right? To get a validator set, to, to recruit, the, you know, economic harness economic security, um, <clears throat> or you know, if you're a proof of work protocol, uh, to say you know even more hard, even harder. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I I, I do not know. Yeah, it makes me think. So Rune is so focused on governance. If you read his endgame a couple times, it's like very, very always brings up governance, and it it does make me think that the because it's a pain in the ass to build your own L one, right? It's an, it's like you don't do it if you don't need to do it, and it makes me think that I think governance is probably at play here, right? If you the best way for to do govern the best way to do governance in DeFi right now is coin weighted voting, and that's a shit way to do governance. Um, but if you actually look at L ones. They have a different way to do governance. You can just fork the chain. Even, and even yeah, if you have yeah. zero I mean, stake. You can always detract. It's like you yeah. emigrate, right? If you don't like your country, you can go to somewhere else. Yeah. But you have to go build that island, which is a challenge. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, the, you could have, I mean, the, the thing that I don't understand, yeah, he's so focused on governance, but what can't you have if you're built on top of Solana? You can build a layer of governance, right, at the app layer. Uh, yeah but it'd be coin yeah it'd be very like it'd just be the same like coin weighted voting i think you could probably implement a different schema so maybe he doesn't like the validators like group and he just doesn't think it's sufficiently like uh, i don't know i really don't know i'm not sure i don't get it i'm not smart but but i actually i mean it sounds like there are other folks who have done this but it's cool to see this new iteration of like this is an svm app chain right Mm -hmm. tbd on if it gets passed or not i don't know if you listen so mike my yeah. co-founder yeah went on bankless I, and had this really good episode i hate to you know promote bankless on a blockworks pod here but i got to give him credit it's a really good episode man, you know? yeah oh. and um he basically talked about how like the lines between blo- different blockchains are blurring in real time right and i think one thing that you start to see at the depths of a bear market is like ideologies about where you should build like that all gets wiped away because you know what matters getting users keeping your costs low and scaling and, yeah. uh, and, and look yeah. security and security if you don't value security then go then don't even consider a blockchain this is just a database let's just stick to web 2 um and so go to the most secure chain if you don't think there's an, an, a secure chain and you think you can build a more secure chain okay go for it <clears throat> i do think that security is pretty like there's a this idea of lindy effect the thing, you can never be fully certain that things are 100 percent you know secure. You just have the uh, the longer something exists, the more certainty you have that it's secure. So Bitcoin is very secure, um, for that matter. Um, and you can look at you know hash power. Ethereum is very battle tested. So are you know Solana, you could argue, but less so than Ethereum. Um, so marginally more risk deploying there. Um, but you can look at the Nakamoto coefficient. You can look at the validator said how distributed, decentralized. Two different concepts, right? So there's a number of things that you can kind of hone in on, 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 on the security of stuff, which I believe is the most important thing. But this, this uh, I, I'm just tending to mind, like governance is one of those things that go back to the opening statement here of the podcast is the more and more I see stuff is try to like trust minimization of governance should be the goal here. Like if you can get rid of governance, like I just, I'm, I'm still not convinced. It's like chopping, right? You simplify yeah. stuff. Get rid of everything that if you can, you know. I think this is what makes like L ones beautiful because there's no like actual governance. As you say, you just you know detract and go somewhere else. There's no like actual voting of 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 how the blocks can be ordered. It would be total chaos. One hundred percent. So, yeah. um, do you think this should happen or no? Like, let me ask you a question. Does, uh, oh, this is very lawyer of me. Like, you ask you a question for my response. Does that mean that they're going to leave Ethereum? Like, there's going to be a maker in Ethereum? No, right? So, going to like the implementation is still going to be there. Like, how do you I like? Actually rip do, I actually don't know. I actually don't know that. I don't know. I don't know. So, I I can't answer. If if that's the case, you're trying to do that. Feels like a huge overhaul. If it's more of like a cross chain deployment, yeah, feels like. I don't see much risk or downside. I should say risk. Mm. I should say I see limited downside, more upside, right? You get more users, you get more. But, and we've seen other protocols deploy in other chains. 
But I, I don't know where the, if the center of gravity is moving to Solana, what does that mean for Ethereum? Does that mean that it just no longer exists? Like, no, no right? Because there's no. somebody uses in Ethereum, they want to use Maker. Like, if you're involved enough, like, you're not going <clears> to. <throat> I'm just really struggling to understand. And I don't know because I haven't looked closely enough. What is it, at the end of the day, as you said, what does that mean for someone that has a vault open on Maker? What is he going to have to do? If, if nothing really changes yeah. from that front, then I, I, I don't really care, you know? Uh, what happens on the back end? Yeah, yeah. So it's funny. You're starting to see this app chain thesis really play out, <clears throat> but it's not happening on Cosmos, right? And that's like, I don't know. You got to feel for the Cosmos yeah. guys. Like they, like that was that was the the app chain thesis was the Cosmos thesis, but it's and it's happening, right? It's really happening. Listen, it's not um, happening on Cosmos. We had Jack and Zaki here. One of the last questions I asked him is, "How do you feel about BD?" Now, you're not supposed to pay 400K for your BD, folks. But how do you feel about BD? Because Cosmos, I've always felt Tendermint as a consensus engine for Cosmos is pretty battle-tested. But I think that they've all been on one of those protocols that super smart guys. They've had some drama with founders and whatnot. And, you know, IBC was delayed and whatnot. Nonetheless, I think the tech is pretty cool. Um, but I don't think they're killers. I don't think they're, they're BD... I don't think they get their name out there, and you need a hammer. I appreciate we're early, and but the, t- the best tech does, doesn't always win. And and I know there's really vocal folks out there. <clears throat> Some of the guys that work in Blockworks we had on, but it, it, you 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 know you just don't compete, right? Um, yeah, I, it's a number of things, right? And I, it's again, we might be revisiting, and, and, and you know, you know, come back six months saying, "Wow, we're so wrong," and we, they were at the cusp of this huge growth, but it doesn't feel like it, right? Um, you know, I may remind listeners, <clears throat> Libra at Facebook forked Cosmos, I mean, Tendermint, use Tendermint, or are you going to use it? Binance Merchant uses Tendermint. Are you, like, are you sure about so that? Many other pro- Is that true? Yeah, 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 they were going to use Tendermint. Absolutely. I didn't know that. And then I they started developing what ended up morphing into Aptos and, so, and a number of things, right? Yeah. But initially, yeah, it was a forked version of Tendermint. <clears throat> Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I think uh, I think it's. Uh, I don't want to call it too early, but they they need a BD overhaul. <laughs> uh, they need to get more out there, and and maybe part of the problem is the incentives, right? They don't have enough tokens, like as an organization, to dole out or whatnot to attract teams when you're competing against Aptos or some of the other like, new L ones or even L twos. Like they have way more muscle, right? To to convince people, games, NFT projects, and whatnot, right? Yeah. And so. Yeah, yeah. It matters. All right, everyone. I want to introduce you to Bumper, a new DeFi protocol that is here to redefine how you protect your crypto assets. Obviously, market volatility can be a big concern for us crypto holders. Bumper alleviates this by allowing you, the user, to lock your tokens into the protocol and set a price. No matter how much the market fluctuates, your investment in your token won't fall below the predetermined value. When you compare this to traditional options platforms, Bumper offers a non-custodial and actually cheaper on average alternative that protects the value of your crypto from market price drops. If you are looking to earn a yield on your crypto, Bumper has you covered. By depositing USDC into the Bumper protocol, you can earn a return, which is derived from the premiums paid by protection buyers. Early adopters and Empire listeners have a chance to claim a part of the $250,000 early adopter bump rewards. Go check out Bumper. It's bumper.fi. Take a step towards smarter crypto asset risk management. Hey everyone, we'll get back to Empire in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to let you know that we have Permissionless coming up. Permissionless is big conference that Blockworks and Bankless put on together. It is the biggest, the best DeFi conference in crypto. This year, it is in Austin, Texas, September 11th through 13th. If you've been in crypto for a while, you know that bear market conferences are the best kind of conferences We have a phenomenal lineup of speakers. A lot of the guests that you hear on Empire are both going to be speaking there. You will have the opportunity to meet them there. And a lot of the topics that we cover on Empire, ZK Tech, Rollups, Account Abstraction, MEV, App Chain Thesis, a lot of that kind of stuff that will all be discussed at Permissionless this year. So because you are a listener of Empire, you get a special discount. That's right, Santi and I negotiated with our marketing team 
You get 30% off if you go to blockworks.com forward slash permissionless. Empire 30 is going to get you 30% off your ticket. Today, when I'm recording this, that's about $300 off your ticket. So type in Empire 30 when buying your permissionless ticket, you get about 300 bucks off. Click the link at the bottom of this episode. It's in the show notes. Do it quickly because prices go up all the time. And if you are going to permissionless, hit me up, let me know, shoot me a DM on Twitter. I would love to meet up with you there. Should we, uh, should we stick with uh, Solana? Talk about Visa? Sure, yeah. I, th- I think that was a great announcement. That was the one that really caught my eye. Yeah, so Kai Sheffield, who is uh, just an awesome person, but also head of crypto at Visa, uh, big, tweeted out this big announcement on Tuesday. Uh, I'm just going to read it. We are excited to announce that Visa has expanded our stablecoin settlement capabilities to merchant acquirers launching pilots with WorldPay, Nuve, the important part here, utilizing the Solana blockchain. And he goes on to explain it. When a consumer uses a Visa card to make a purchase at a merchant, they experience the convenience of instant payment authorizations. What they don't see is that the value for their purchase needs to move between their bank, the issuer, and the merchant bank, the acquirer. Visa's treasury and settlement systems enable the clearing, settlement, and movement of billions of dollars a day, making sure the preferred currency is received in the correct amount from the issuer and sent to the acquirer. In 2021, Visa began testing how we could use USDC inside our treasury operations, leading to a live pilot where we now accept settlement payments for Crypto.com's credit card in Australia over the Ethereum blockchain to a Visa-managed circle accounts. Goes on to kind of explain that pilot, and now he gets into uh, Visa can now settle these payments to WorldPay and USDC, enabling WorldPay to more flexibly manage their own treasury infrastructure and route the USDC directly to their merchants with less worry about wire cutoff times and bank holidays. Super cool. It's still early days, but Visa has already settled millions of dollars of USDC over both the uh, Ethereum and Solana blockchains between our clients. Uh, we're committed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So really cool announcement from Visa. Um, very excited about this uh, and very interesting that they chose. There's like two stories here, right? There's awesome to see Visa the largest mm-hmm. one of the largest payment networks in the world the uh, largest um the largest yeah yeah and uh like just pushing forward with like on-chain stuff and then uh also very interesting that they chose solana absolutely i mean i'll just comment like <clears throat> you know there is so many parallels when visa started like there were so many skeptics of how you could use not traveler checks not cash and use this thing a plastic thing could be used to like pay for stuff <clears throat> and you didn't have to carry these travel checks when you travel and what like that's the thing in the past and visa really pioneered that um there's a great there's a great ad on the newspaper like circa 19 i don't know 60s or whatever black and white so it said like this thing visa like revolutionary and so many people are critical and you could you see the same you know level of skepticism around stable coins we were talking about this, uh, I think, in a prior episode of the Coinbase one, right? Wait, no, no. The Coinbase Ventures kind of ideas, right? Which is what – guys, so right, like the amount of <clears throat> fees that happen behind the scenes to enable you to swipe your card anywhere in the world that accepts Visa and is part of the Visa network is is a, like is, is pretty large. There's an interchange fee. There's settlement times that are harder. Merchants don't get money in time. We were talking about the – the like the instant settlement of, of these things is huge. It benefits Visa because they, you know, they can earn some fees elsewhere. I believe. Actually, I'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but it certainly benefits merchants, I think, because they get instant settlement, and you know, they can have those funds, you know, working capital. Uh, it benefits the consumer, um, I think, as well. Visa probably benefits because it's like there's no like fraud. There's no reversal of these transactions. They probably cut a whole host of operations in the back end that are people that are checking this stuff to enable, you know, the, you know, the accountants that are making sure that everything is balancing out, right? That doesn't happen. We have like a smart contract that, you know, verifies movement of funds in an instant manner. Um, and so it's pretty awesome to see, you know, this is, this is uh, one of those where a lot of people that are skeptical of show me. You know, it's really just a bunch of like, you know, people that are speculating, gambling and or like crypto punks that are really interested in this technology. I'm like, no, 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 no. From my vantage point, banks are really excited and interested in deploying this technology for real. Visa as well. Yeah. Like they, they, 
because there's a meaningful cost save on the back end. And, and that is enough to like get people really interested in this. You know, you've seen the likes of Santander and a few other banks like Explore, you know, bond issuance and settlement and just the record keeping itself on an open distributed ledger. Like it make it's so obvious, right? That, that this needs to happen like that. You can measure risk easier. You can understand like the, the, the composition of the, of the ownership of these instruments and the trading of these instruments can happen faster. There's no settlement T plus three or two or 30 or whatever. And that has a whole cost saving benefit to that. So look, it is very impressive that Visa as the largest is exploring this. And that tells you everything you need to know about where stable coins are going. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. just unequivocally going to be how e-commerce is going to be run full stop. May of 2020, you remember Paul Tudor Jones called Bitcoin the fastest horse in the race? And what that did is it unlocked institutional capital. And the reason it unlocked institutional capital is not because, you know, obviously some people, you know, said Paul Tudor Jones is doing it. We should do it too. That's one of the reasons. But the real reason is it took away the career risk for portfolio managers to allocate to Bitcoin. Previously, if they thought Bitcoin was a good idea to allocate to, they wouldn't bring it up because of the career risk. But now you can't get fired for allocating to Bitcoin because folks like Paul Tudor Jones do it. This moment is huge for the uh, stable coins. I think it's a similar type of moment for stable coins. It is a massive validation, right? Not every merchant wants to accept USDC. And let's say you're the head of infrastructure for a huge merchant and you 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 yeah. say USDC before this. I mean, that's that's career risk in the same way. But every merchant wants instant settlement. And now that Visa oh, yeah. has has brought this up, right? Lower cost, lower risk, cross-border US dollar delivery to merchants. This is a huge, huge unlock across huge, the industry, huge. you know, the, the ecosystem. Mean, what's most exciting here, Jason, is on the investing standpoint, you have to go to committee to convince your PM to allocate to the SASE clause. When Visa rolls this out as a feature, and gives you all the benefits. It's a click of a button. Like it's a turning on kind of feature, or it might even just be enabled. And this is what I tell people. You know, a lot of people ask me, "Hey, how do you see this technology evolving?" I'm like, "Look, most people don't really care or know how technology works in the back end. Not the internet. Don't even go further. They don't even can't, can't even draw a bike. Yeah, they don't even know how an airplane. They don't care about these things. The apps that you have on your phone probably not going to change. You know." Um, and most people might even not even know they're going to be using crypto rails, but they're going to get a loan faster. Their rate's going to be lower. They're going to be approved much faster. They won't have to fill forms over and over again. All this jazz, right? Uh, where you're a merchant, you know, the reason why most people don't accept when you go a merchant, they decline your American Express is because American Express charges them more fee. And so I think it's um, it's one of those things where people just might go in and more you you could see American Express get into the game right very quickly. Visa go serious here because they're going to be you know they're going to feel at a disadvantage and so Mastercard and so on and so forth. And that really you know goes the stablecoin the percentage of stablecoins not only like the the, the sheer aggregate of stablecoin transactions like just goes up orders of magnitude, but also the percentage that is on payments encompasses a much larger share, which is de minimis, de minimis right now. Yeah, right. Uh, and so that's really, really exciting. You know, I think if you were to survey thousands of businesses and you would tell them, hey, what if I told you that you could get your money, not T plus something that is heavily negotiated, if you're a small business versus medium versus large, right? And it's really a small to medium that get crushed. Um, they get their money not in three days, they get their money in 20 days. If, they, if you compress that, like it is the probably the one of the biggest pain points of merchants is how quickly they get the money. Yeah. And and so even even particularly in e-commerce, the the number of transactions that get um, uh, rejected, like false positives, is fairly high, right? And 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 it's billions of dollars that get lost and and subscriptions that don't get renewed because they're swiping credit cards that don't work anymore. That doesn't happen with stablecoins, and that's that's huge. So. Um, but I do think that it takes, uh, you know, payments is one of been those categories that people get really excited when you first learn about crypto, right? But it doesn't happen because you know, people don't like to spend their Bitcoin. It's a volatile asset, but a stablecoin is not. And I think it's due for a huge, huge renaissance here of, 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 of payments as, a, as, as the largest category in crypto in the immediate term. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. So I found a shirt <laughs> from the Bitcoin event 
go. Bitcoin Conference 2013. And and the subtitle of the conference was uh revolutionizing the revolutionizing the payments industry or something I, i'll find it i'll send it to you or yeah. i'll post it on twitter or something yeah um yeah but i think it's one of those things where, all payments. you know think yeah. think about the second order effects of this right you start with payments and then people could become conditioned to then investing and then and then gaming and then, right but when you're transacting so easily in digital currency like it just becomes so habitual like every every day every day like you're just stable you're used to seeing uscc or whatever flavor packs is whatever flavor of coin you have um and it's going to be a thing, and 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 people get very quickly will adapt to this new normal. Um, and, and at that point, I think it solves so many things, so many issues, right? Where people have been so critical of this industry. We had Rebecca and, and the regulatory pod talk about, hey, the biggest problem right now is most people just think that they don't take this industry seriously because they they don't see a really good use case. It's it's super small. It doesn't compute. Uh, it's all you know, twenty four seven, three sixty five casino. But the reality is no. And this is, I think, going to be the thing that that people wake up to and say, "I get it," because yeah. you feel it, and it's real. And, and as a catalyst, I think, and as a narrative, I think it would be the most important thing. And I'm so glad, guys. I mean, guys have probably been one of those industry guys that has been around forever, right? Uh, and he's been he's been doing God's work at Visa. Uh, you know, there's been so much turnover in cycles of folks at different organizations that. You know, when crypto is popular, they hire a bunch of a team and then they, they come out with a bunch of announcements that don't amount to much. Um, but Guy's been at it for, for such a long time. And I think he it's super, super impressive that uh, on, an organization as big and serious as Visa is, is truly doing good work and getting serious about utilizing this technology. Perhaps in the second organization that I can think of just to round up this thing is, is LVMH as a as a luxury conglomerate mm. appreciating the benefits that, that um, this whole new generation and category like NFTs enabled. Yeah. So two different, two different big narratives. And I mentioned this because we always talk about narratives, right? And I think these two things are, um, are the biggest things that I'm seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me zoom out from this a little bit and just talk about mm-hmm. Solana for a second. So you've got Visa building on Solana, you've got Rune and Maker thinking about building you know, they're kind of app chain on the SVM or fork of the SVM. I, I guess that's what you'd call it. What are your kind of updated thoughts around Solana here from, from like an allocation perspective? Um, well, from an allocation perspective, like I haven't deployed new dollars, I guess. Um, but that's not to say, but I, I, w- I am curious and actively looking to invest in projects that are building in Solana. I mean, I have a portfolio that is on, built on top of Solana. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been close with the, the team Solana. You know, we've had Ben on. Uh, we've had Tolly. Um, and so they're, they're super active on Twitter too. And so I have good conversations. And, you know, I could just tell that I like to see they're active and, and, and you know, actually like they are – I respect them so much because I think they're the team, the number one team out there that really embraces criticism and uses that to their advantage. And and I, I, I the God, they've gone through, they've really gone through fire, right? Uh, and yeah. and it's been hardened. And you know, it's it good to see Vitalik and some other folks in the Ethereum camp say, "Hey, look, when FTX kind of went down, they said, hey, this is kind of the DAO hack moment of this community, and I think they're going to hopefully come out stronger. And, and I think you're seeing that now. Uh, are they out of the woodwork? You know, I don't think any community really is, right? And bear market is always that's kind of conviction. But um, I'm I'm increasingly super positive on it, and and I think I, I really like I really like how they've taken criticism and, and implemented upgrades, like on the fee model, dynamic fee model, for instance, makes total sense. And I always point people to that and saying. Tell me how that from being highly criticized to implementation and deployment, like that, that whole kind of uh, loop was really nice to see. And I think it really embodies the kind of thing that I like to see in, in teams that are building. Um, so to cut it short, my allocation, I guess, is, is, has gone up on a percentage basis because Solana's rallied, right? It went down away eight and then it's now what's sitting at what? forget now 20 ish 19 maybe 20 ish yeah 20 ish low 20s um so so that has increased a 
percentage, but I haven't deployed new dollars. But anyone listening out there, you know, build, thinking of building on Solana, uh, or not just Solana, but you know, if that's your home, then reach out. So I'd love to. So, Dante, you know what always happens here? You say reach out. You know what, what people do? They reach out to me and say, "Can you?" Oh, really? <laughs> Lovely. Well, then you can also invest. I, I don't know. Isn't that good? You know, Yano <laughs> yeah, is my. Uh, yeah, then I get your deal. Yano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, what is, how's that bad? All of a sudden, <laughs> no, I'm down. You know what, folks? Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. yeah. Have you? Have you? Uh, what's your? What's your kind of allocation stance on, on it? Well, the, the the meme would be like, "Where are you finding any money, man?" Like, you know, <laughs> like there's there's nothing. No one else. No one has money to deploy, man. What are you talking Where's about? The, yeah. Like, yeah. where where are you finding these things under the couch or the mattress? Like, what? Oh, your grandma like all of a sudden gave you some like you know spare change. Because um, yeah, right. <laughs> I I heard a terrible stat on venture response like the deployment in in crypto is not only not only crypto just as a whole like my yeah. goodness I mean that's a whole topic in and of itself but <laughs> it is uh, it is it is tough out there you know a lot of founders are really struggling to get funding um, and uh, it, it's always like this but you know it's it's real now when interest rates are going to persist and stick at five percent for a long time. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it's tough. And, and LPs are not getting distributions from, you know, old dated vintage funds. Like, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, even the best teams, even the best projects, uh, not just in Solana are really struggling to, uh, put two and two and, 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 you know, raise small rounds. I'm not talking even 5 million. I'm talking 2 million rounds now. And that, even that is, is 3 million rounds is, it's tough, even for the best yeah. of founders, even for the best of teams. So there's there's a very, uh, I think there's, I don't know, there's a very cautious outlook and really people are just hunkering down and saying, look, I don't know what, how things are going to shape out. There's an election. There's so much uncertainty and not a lot of deployment happening. Yeah. So I right, am. Yeah, yeah, I'm too. I'm too. <laughs> Let me ask you about that. Shame, shameful plug. Yeah. Let me ask you about NIMA Capital. So it's less about oh, yeah. NIMA here. What I'm wondering is more just about like, well, let me, let me, let me share the story. So NIMA Capital is uh, this single family office with a bunch of private and public equity investing platform. They have a mandate to invest across a bunch of different things. We've actually known them for many, many, many years. We, Blockworks used to have, fun story. We used to host family office dinners in New York. That's like an unsung or an untold story of Blockworks's one of the the first real way that we figured out what sponsorships were, where we had this big family office network that we would build by like cold emailing and cold calling people. And then we'd bring the family offices there and then companies like a bit go or a, do you remember Harbor? They did like tokenizing real estate. They would spend like 25 K to like sponsor the dinner. Anyways, Nima capital would come to those dinners. So they got a grant uh, from Sin, they got a Sin grant, SYN Synapse from this from the DAO via the foundation um, to to basically like build this new liquidity model. I think it was uh, to like increase quote efficiency by you know twenty, thirty, forty, fifty percent. Um, uh, the in in uh, they received this grant in return for locking forty million dollars of liquidity of Sin. So they were this long term capital partner of the DAO, but. What happened, I'm just pulling up my notes here, is they did not keep it locked. Um, they allegedly sold more than 9 million Synapse tokens. Um, and Synapse Labs just posted on Twitter, they acknowledged the sale and the liquidity removal in a post um, saying that they're just investigating unusual activity on their wallets. Uh, they didn't disclose the liquidity provider, but I think it's become pretty clear. What does that mean? Also, Things were done from a wallet I control. <laughs> no longer yeah, control. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's so, like, okay, guys. We can okay. all see what's going on on chain. You send it to an exchange or, you know, testing liquidity. We see. So anyway, since, so since then, Nima Capital's website has gone offline and they did not immediately respond to a request for comment. For comment. Um, and, oh, and their, their account on X is locked. So. Um, Yikes. I would guess one of two things here, not to spread FUD, but like I would assume, so I've heard going around that there's, if a fund is, so maybe you can explain this to me. If a fund has been around for five years, you have to go through all these, you have to jump, you have to like file all these things, maybe with the SEC or something. And a lot of funds, the like 
20, the funds who were started in 2017, 2018, they're now at their five-year mark. And when, when they come to investigate you or just like look into your, I truly don't understand how this works. So you can educate me. Like a like, investment advisor. Yeah, something. You know, once you hit I a certain think, AUM. I don't know if it's, it's a time of five, I think it's more of an AUM thing, less so of a like vintage, but I may be wrong. Uh, yeah, but it's a pretty uh, big overhaul to convert to a registered investment advisor. Um, and, and what you're saying is that they somehow wanted to avoid that process. Either either they're getting like, look, either they're getting looked at or they're, or they just ran out or they messed up a bunch of trades and they're, they, you always get, you, you always get looked at not just crypto funds, hedge funds, you know, yeah, yeah. They, they do periodic inspections. You know, if you if you have if you're managing outside people outside money, especially the bar is higher, and they're going to be you know inspecting. Oh, you know, this is the other thing, Zombie. This the Wall Street Journal reported last month that a condo linked to Nima Capital was sold for eighty million bucks. So actually, I don't think this is probably not like some investigation. It's probably just they have a huge liquidity crunch. But maybe I mean, probably I don't know. I, I don't know enough or anything actually. But it does yeah. beg the question of um, how are these deals even being structured? I mean, what a handshake lockup? You could like uh, there's a thing called the smart contract that you know it really enforces this without trust. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, you, uh, this is the thing also with the curve sales, right? I mean, were those actually in the smart contract or were they just like verbal agreements, like? You know, we, we, this is, again, this is what I struggle with this industry, man. Like, <clears throat> there are ways to deploy things that minimize trust, to avoid situations where trust is breached. You can do that in a cost effective manner. And by the way, it is. So you can deploy a smart contract. It's a fairly easy standard. Why not do it? Like, like, wh- what is the, 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 benefit of not doing that at this point and you know time time again we just learned that this happens right so anyways uh just a healthy reminder right if you're doing a some sort of transaction involves investing in lockup just do it like it's on chain like there's no ambiguity there's there's no risk like what am i missing what is the uh what is yeah what is the kickback for for basically breaking lockup rules is it basically just (laughs) reputation risk uh, I mean, like, I don't know, like the contract, uh, you'd have to look at the contract. Yeah. But it's a breach of contract. Uh, I don't, I'm not an expert in tort law, but it's a breach of contract and you can argue about a whole bunch of things. Like, okay, like in a worst case, you can argue damages, right? I mean, like if, if, if they all of a sudden like hold uh, two, three, five percent of the log and they sell, like the prototype would probably go back and say, hey, wait a minute, like you sold, that had a material impact on the price. Not only that, but the signaling, right? Because people can track your wallets, like what's going on, like, you know, all kinds of things, right? There was, there was a good post from, I believe it was Ari Paul a while back that talked about these things where, like, um, the supplies lock, but there's, like, mar- like OTC desks that are tr- allowing you to, like, trade that. Like, there's a whole – he really doesn't expose uh, some of the inner dealings of these transactions – and I'll, I'll surface it, but Ari Paul's a great job. People should go look at his tweet. He does a way better job of like really just exposing like, hey, sometimes like you got to look at this stuff. And a lot of it was going on in FTX. So like Alameda and FTX and like yeah. they would like – so anyways, like it happens, right? And again, you know, it's one of those things where the industry advocates transparency from first – like you know, blockchains are transparent. This industry is open source and then and so many other things like – I'm not, I'm not making broad characterization because I think this happens everywhere, right? Like to not even go into finance and how obscure these things are and like global financial crisis, you know, I don't even go there, but we're talking about crypto and we always want to be super critical about crypto because we can do better and we could sell police and we could like push people to do the right thing. And it's one of those where, you know, you, you could just structure things in a, with a smart contract. That's why you got to love smart contracts. You, you just, that's it. People can, whatever you're doing, you can look at what's happening, not just send your tokens to a market maker and pray to God that they're not sending it to an exchange just to cleanse wallets. And you know what I mean? Like, come on, like we know. 
at this point, if you haven't learned your lesson, it's like, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame, you know, what is it? Shame on me. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, uh, so anyways, it will be interesting to see what happens. More, more so, I really love to understand what was the, what was the intuition, uh, from the SYN team? Who, who voted on that proposal? Who decided on that? How is that structured? These are all kind of open questions that I have. Yeah. Anything else that you, like, you would say? To no, I think that? the last thing, I think the last thing from this week was, um, you know, now that there's excitement around this Bitcoin ETF, the spot ether ETF oh, yeah. is kind of kicking off, right? There's this bid with, uh, I think it was ARK Invest and 21 shares. So, yeah. Yeah. and 21 shares, I think used to be a moon, Hani, Hani's thing. Hani's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, and Kathy Wood, you know, Ark Invest. Yeah, um, there, there have obviously been futures ETH ETF right. filings. I'm not sure if there have been spot ETF filings before. Um, you know, where they hold ether directly, but this is it's cool to see. Definitely. Uh, so, what do you think? How does this play out? Bitcoin ETF gets approved first. Imagine, imagine. Imagine an ETF ETF gets approved. I've never seen you smile so (laughs) wide. I just, I would just immediately go on the timeline and like be like, just, just see all the laser eyes. Be like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, like what What happens to the laser eyes? (laughs) What happens to the remaining laser eyes? And I know I will remind folks, I'll remind folks that Jason's claim to fame is that he convinced Tom Brady, or he gave Tom Brady his laser eyes. And he sent him a picture on Twitter and he posted, allegedly, he changed his profile picture. To what do you mean eyes. allegedly? He did change it. I tweeted at no, him well, and said, you won't, you won't I, change I, it. I, 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 I'm, I'm not objecting the fact that he did change his profile. I think we all saw it. Allegedly, do you want to know the real story behind that, that, that uh, of how that oh, happened? You, I think you've said the real story before, but you somehow failed to disclose your thing. So let's hear it. It got changed. So I tweeted it like I think he tweeted like you know exploring Bitcoin or something because he had this deal with FTX and he was starting right. to tweet about crypto more. And so I was like, you won't I just tweeted him like you won't change your eyes to laser eyes or something. This was like height of the market. Him. Yeah, 2021. Wow. I challenged him and actually made the photo for him. So I made the I made his laser eyes for him. And you and tweeted changed, that. And, and I tweeted it and was like, Open You won't it, change your thing to this. Yeah. And uh and he and he changed it, and I was losing my mind. I'm, you know, I'm a uh, Boston sports fan, Patriots fan. Yeah. Oh, you're a Patriots fan of God, folks. I'm leaving Empire. Red, Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots. Losing my mind. I didn't do my proper deal. As someone who went to school in Boston, God, Jason, how did I not? I, know it? Where'd you go to school? BU. BU. I like BU. Anyways. Oh, I get a I get a text from a friend a couple so I'm lo- you know, tell my whole family Tom Brady I'm getting texts <laughs> anyways a couple of days later I get this uh I get this text from a from a college friend I haven't I haven't talked to her and I haven't talked to her in years and uh, she's also a Boston sports fan turns out she was running the uh, she was working she was working at like I don't know WME at the time or something I forget or oh. Endeavor and she was running the social for Tom Brady at the time. <laughs> Ah, and she, and so she knew you and okay. hooked it up. So she hooked so, it up. so it was confirmed. All right, all right, folks, we'll give Jason credit here. Yeah. Not allegedly. That was as close as we get to the truth yeah. here. So she hooked it up. So, stuff, anyways, there's your there's your there's your social alpha. All right, man. I'll see you next week, huh? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully our lines don't drag us. But yeah, it should be smooth sailing, and really excited to go out there. Actually, it's like fifty fifty. Uh, make it. You see, United. United Central Database shut down the, earlier this week, and they halted all flights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was also an issue in the in in the UK. And anyways, I I, I buffered in a few days, so I'll be out there if you are. You know, you know, come out. Uh, I'm gonna be speaking there about DeFi. Long Who are you speaking DeFi. with? Uh, Kyle and a few other folks. I think Framer. Ciao. Are you people. on that panel? Ciao. Yeah. About just DeFi in general, which oh, actually, before we go, I just need to tell folks, MetaMask, the 9% really ticked me off. Really, really ticked me off because that's not something we're working towards. I know the convenience, but charging folks 9%. We forgot, to, being we unfair. forgot to share this. So MetaMask launched a sell feature 
Yes, um, yes. Let's, where you can sell see. not into USDC, but you can sell directly into PayPal or or, or, uh, or your yeah. bank account. And apparently, it's almost immediate, right? Like you, you sell yeah. a token and they'll send you your funds to your PayPal account, whatever. But they charge you 9%, <laughs> which is Is fine. that true they charge 9%? Did you test it? Because I don't know if that's a real I didn't test real. it. I just saw someone. I mean, I saw, I saw this guy tweet about it. I, if it's true or not, I don't know. Maybe I should be checking, but uh, you know, it was uh, I, 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 I had a very visceral reaction to to that nine percent. Look, I get it. it. It's is it all MetaMask fault? No, because they have to jump through hoops, and it's a big part of the problem, right? That you're going through these traditional rails and meshing both crypto and traditional rails has a cost. Coinbase charges a lot of fees too. There's a cost associated, but boy, nine percent. It's not how we're going to scale this industry. This is not. And there needs to be a better solution. So after that, after that tweet, a bunch of teams, Beam, a few others like Reach, or, you know, I'm being introduced to a few teams for trying to solve this kind of pain point, right? This bottleneck where crypto meets uh, traditional rails. But hopefully you can figure that out, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Good pod. Right. I'll see you in Great person. pod. Yeah. We'll see you, sir. Great. Great chatting as always. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll be next pod. If you're not going to permissionalize, things are going to be at some point being made available. And right, the panels, the videos on YouTube. Don't don't tell people that. I want people to buy yes, a ticket. No, the one. No, they, I'm just it, saying. It will you know, be. Like, they, they will. Not they will, not be, go, they will be available. I just want people. If not, I'll take my. If not, I'll take my camera. Yeah, and, and then um, I'll just, I'll just <laughs> like filming in the You know, you like, those pirated films, right? They would come yeah, out. Yeah. And you'd have a guy like with his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, so I'll, I'll be doing dude that. in the movie theater with the camera. I'll, I'll be that dude. I'll be that dude. Yeah. Uh, no, but we'll uh, we'll be reporting stuff. So we're gonna come out with some good content. Uh, yeah. Discovering what's going on there, and, and 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 so yeah, stay tuned for that. Cool. Cheers. Cheers.